You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we break down a heated Winnipeg victory over the Wild, including good from the Jets and bad from Marcus Foligno and the officiating. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Well, how about that for the first game right out of the All-Star break? What a return to action that was by the Winnipeg Jets for a game that had one goal scored for almost 60 minutes. Uh, we got a lot to get into from that 2-0 Jets win against Minnesota on Tuesday night. And that doesn't even include the double tilt at center ice. The rare double tilt. And there was certainly no shortage of controversy from that one. But don't let that overshadow what really ended up being one of the better all-around Jets performances. Team performances of the season so far. And they've certainly had more explosive games offensively and, and bigger margins of victory and, and all that throughout the year. But I, I just love the way the team played in this one. I, from a process and structure point of view, I don't know if it could have got a whole lot more encouraging than what we saw from the Jets against a really, really good team in the Minnesota Wild. And this is, of course, you know, coming off a lot of talk from the team, a lot of talk from the players headed into the game and, and coming out of the break about how this game and then this insane stretch that's to follow, but this game was an opportunity for a reset. And that, you know what? The team knew what needed to be done to get back into the wildcard chase. And I, yeah, give the Jets credit, they walked it like they talked it in that one. I mean, right from the start, the Jets were absolutely flying. One of their better first periods of the year as well, and they looked every bit... As fast as the Minnesota Wild, who are certainly one of the more speedier teams in the entire NHL. And they skated toe for toe, and if anything, looked maybe a tad faster than Minnesota for much of the night. But what we saw in that game, in my opinion, is the recipe that the Winnipeg Jets are going to have to use to get back into the playoff chase in the second half. To pull off a miracle run in all reality, to get back ahead of some of the teams out west and I mean first and most importantly it's getting back Vesna level Connor Hellebuck right I mean that's the first thing the Winnipeg Jets needed 
And I think it's fair to say we can check that one off the box with a shutout in standing tall when his number was called upon. So a really, really stellar performance from number 37. Also, the Winnipeg Jets, if they want to make a miracle run, are going to need Mark Shifley to get back to his high level of play. And, I mean, at the very least, an increase in offensive production if the defensive side of things aren't going to improve. And in a year where Mark Shifley hasn't got a lot of luck when it comes to goal scoring, the shooting percentage is way, way down below his career average. Hey, you know what? Maybe seeing a partial whiff job and a flutter puck find its way into the net, maybe that can be enough to get some good vibes rolling into Mark Shifley's game. Maybe get that dangerous goal scorer back in action and be one of the leaders offensively for this club. So not, not a dominant game by Mark Shifley, but we'll call it a step in the right direction. And we'll see if, you know what, maybe just seeing the puck find its way into the back of the net could lead an avalanche of goals upcoming for Mark Shifley and the Winnipeg Jets. So you check the first two issues off the box there in this one, and then finally, and right up there with the goaltending, maybe even above all this, in all honesty, the Jets need to see improved team defensive play from both their forwards and the blue line as a five-man unit. And I thought we saw that in this game against a really tricky opponent in Minnesota, who I still don't think get enough credit for how skilled they are. I think a lot of people still, you know, go back to the paint drying Minnesota wild of a few years past. This is a really dynamic, skilled, highly potent offensive team. But for one night, at least, the Jets proved that they could shut down a really good offensive club. I mean, they had, for the first time maybe all year, an emphasis in protecting the middle of the ice, which is a major, major change from where they were headed into the All-Star break. On top of that, a big-time emphasis in man-on-man coverage in the defensive zone, which was interesting, to say the least. And then a high battle level as well along the boards, and in front of the net to top it all off. I mean, without Dubois and Pionk at the lineup as well, and against a great wild team, that's a pretty damn impressive performance in their own end by the club for sure. So, for those Jets fans still clinging on to whatever hopes left of making a push and, you know, maybe grabbing a playoff spot headed into the second half of the season, I think it's fair to say that last night's game was a huge step in the right direction. It was a really, really solid performance. Now, we'll see if that can be a consistent effort from the Jets over the course of a few more games here before, I, you know, I start to get really excited at least, but definitely an encouraging showing. Now, the, the crappy thing about that is, the Jets can play that well for the rest of the season, and it still might not be enough, right? Because Calgary's so far ahead of them, they're playing extremely well, and there's, what is it, five or six teams that the Jets have to leapfrog in the standings as well. But, hey, for one night at least, sure as hell feels good to beat a division rival in a heated game to kick off the second half push. So, team-wise, really strong performance. On an individual level, though, somebody to me stood out above the rest in this one. And of course, again, it happens without the kid getting onto the score sheet. But I thought Cole Perfetti looked amazing yet again. I mean, he is just so, so smooth out there, isn't he? He just continues to impress. I was actually texting with my old man during the game. And he made the point, and I, I kind of agreed with them, that, you know what? Looks, looks like Cole Perfetti the best player on the ice for both teams. And that's on a team with, you know, Kyle Connor, the lone all-star representative, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, like some high-end offensive producers. 
And Cole Perfetti doesn't look out of place. If anything, he's, he's outshining some of them on a night-to-night basis. And the crazy thing is, you can literally see the kid get more and more confident each time he steps out onto the ice. He's getting better every single game. And you wonder, too, at some point here, I mean, getting around 14, 15, 16 minutes a night, if you're basically forced with how well he's playing to give him the 18, 19, 20 minutes a night you're giving some of the other guys at your top six. I, I mean, he's just, he's always making the right play. He makes a couple eye-popping offensive plays each and every game, but he's a damn good defensive player as well, right? Like for an undersized, underdeveloped, not the fastest guy on the ice, 20-year-old, he's he's pretty adept inside his own end. Right? It's really impressive, and he continues to be one of the team's better players from an analytical standpoint in terms of driving play. He's, he's the real deal. He's the complete package, and it's just, it really is a matter of time, I think, at least before he truly becomes the Winnipeg Jets' best player. I, I mean, I don't know how many years or, or year, we have to wait for that to be, but I, I do believe it's only a matter of time. And on top of that, too, it might only be a matter of time before the power play torch is passed. From Blake Wheeler running things to, to Cole Perfetti running things, right? I, we don't know how the configuration might work, but he's just so composed and so good with the puck on his stick with the man advantage. I mean, he made one great pass to, to Vili Hanela when... I mean, there was a chance to shoot the puck on net with with Kakinen kind of out of the crease a little bit. I mean, anybody else would have shot the puck there. And somehow he finds Vili Hainala back door and, you know, almost gets the Winnipeg Jets on the board there. Wouldn't that be nice, too, to have Perfetti to Hainala for the next 10 years as well on the power play? But he's just so, so impressive with the puck on his stick. And, and you do wonder eventually when... It's going to be Cole Perfetti running the power play and, and setting up guys like Kyle Cotter and Mark Shafley instead of Blake Wheeler. But, man, is he ever a joy to watch. I, I just love watching Cole Perfetti improve each and every game. And on top of it, too, you know what? If you look at just the kind of the box score stats, he might not look that impressive. But, man, do the points, the lack of points he's produced in his 13 games so far really, really undersell just how much of an impact he has on the game. Because you look at and four points in 13 games doesn't sound all that impressive. But he is making so many little plays, so many Paul Stasny-esque plays, as I've said before, that really tilt the ice in your team's direction. And I think it's only a matter of time before we see Cole Perfetti go on, say, a, a seven or an eight-game point streak. In the meantime, though, it really is fun to watch and see a, a really, really special talent continue to blossom for the Winnipeg Jets here, regardless of which way the season goes for the rest of the team. Now, Perfetti was kind of the feel-good storyline of the night, but there was something that pissed off the entire Jets fan base, while also underlining the incompetence of the NHL and their officiating crew, while also showcasing one of the dirtier plays I think we've seen in the NHL in quite some time. We'll clearly get to that right away here. But quickly, a shout-out to our friends, over at DraftKings, one of the official sports betting partners of the NFL. And the big game is just about here. Maybe the best NFL playoffs of all time so far. It's just been crazy. And we're getting the game that I don't know if anybody could have ever predicted. Bengals versus Rams in just under two weeks time. And DraftKings Sportsbook has a huge 
huge deal on the table for you to get in on the action in time for the big game. Live in New York as well with DraftKings now. So for anybody in the Empire State, you can bet there. And if Sportsbook is not in your state or province just yet, remember DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest will be on tap for Super Bowl 56. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code THPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 or older, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Red Line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. All right, so we go from the feel-good story of Cole Perfetti's emergence this season for the Winnipeg Jets to aspiring MMA fighter, apparently, Marcus Foligno's controversy in the game. Going from Superman punches the first time the Jets and Wild met so far this season, which I'm still unsure of, by the way. I don't know how I feel about that in a National Hockey League game, but at least that's a little more borderline, right? That one's a little more blurry. But we go from a Superman punch to a deliberate knee to the head after a fight to a defenseless player who is also being held down by a couple of linesmen, might I add, and it only gets you two minutes. Now, keep in mind, if you knee somebody in the head while they're down on the mat or on the ice while they're down on the mat at a UFC match you're ejected you're done you're disqualified from a UFC match if you need somebody in the head like that in the NHL what does it get you two minutes for unsportsmanlike and there's so many things that piss me off about this play in particular but it's that one more so than anything because we're not even sitting here talking about how a ref missed that right like, we're not even saying, how, how could you miss a knee to the head? The referee freaking saw it. He was right there, and he points to Felino In the heat of the moment, in the instance it happened, the referee saw it. And he acknowledges it, right? Yet, he still feels like just two minutes in the box, uh, the same you would get for accidentally tripping somebody, feeling like two minutes was a justifiable punishment for that instance. I, I could almost understand a referee missing it there, and you talk it over, and you know what, I didn't get a good look at it, but we think it's a penalty, we give him two minutes. And, and then you deal with the, the punishment and the discipline after. Like, I can understand that to an extent, but I, I just don't, I can't fathom how as a referee in that instance, if you see a deliberate knee to the head, that he's not out of the game, All right? Like, that's it. There's some gray area when it comes to certain hits on the ice that happen during the game, but a knee to the head after a fight is not one of those instances, and it should have been an easy, easy ejection by the officials, yet they completely blow that one. 
And really, is it all that surprising with how that game was officiated, to be honest, as well? I mean, there could have been... It, it, was, it was prison rules, basically, from the moment the puck dropped. I mean, I, I don't know how many penalties could have been called in that game on both sides, mind you. But it was just a really, really rough showing by the two referees in that one. And I think it ultimately bled into that situation there, right? Because... You have guys going at each other with uh, really no fear of discipline. And eventually the tempers get to a point, not not to excuse the players, obviously, but the tempers start to flare. And then you see instances like that happen that probably could have been remedied much earlier in the game if you got a hold of it and, I don't know, called the rule book. And that's the other thing that really pisses me off with NHL officiating is just this, this lack of insistence on calling the rules the way they're meant to be called. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to me still that in 2022, there's not as much of an uproar as there should be about the fact that NHL referees can basically decide going into a game whether or not they're going to call a penalty or whether or not they're going to call basically every single infraction, right? Like the the level of inconsistency is just mind-boggling. And to be somewhat fair to the referees, I guess, you know what, if the NHL wanted to change, they would make it change. They're just enforcing the way the NHL wants these games to be officiated, right? Like The league clearly has no issue with what's going on or else they would have put a stop to this a long time ago. But it really, oh man, it, the whole saying, best sport, worst league, it really sums up the way the NHL is handling a lot of things these days. I mean, it's just an NHL referee should be able to identify that when somebody gets kneed into the head when they're on the ice in a defenseless position that that person should then be ejected from the game right it shouldn't be up to the department of player safety that that decision should be made on the ice and then harsh discipline comes afterwards regardless instead with the nhl you get basically no punishment on the ice and then a candy ass punishment when it comes to a, a fine or a suspension afterward so i mean that's something that we're going to look forward to is just what the NHL is going to do, where the, the wheel of justice is going to spin, when they do decide on what kind of a punishment is upcoming for Marcus Foligno. Interesting, Michael Russo of The Athletic for Minnesota said that he was scheduled to speak on his podcast with George Peros tomorrow, but they've had to reschedule seconds after the Foligno incident happened. So we'll see what George Peros thinks. I mean... <laughs> It's always funny because, you know, people ask in this instant or instances like this what the punishment should be. I'm always way more on the harsh side in, in handing out big time suspensions to deter behavior like this. I mean, for me, a knee to the head should be at a bare minimum starting with five games. I'm totally okay with something like that going closer to the double digit range. I expect Marcus Foligno to be suspended for two to three games especially with no prior history. It's just the way the NHL's done things in the past, as frustrating as it may be. Speaking of frustrating when it comes to suspensions, too, and this is something that's just always, always bothered me and how ass-backwards the NHL deals with these things. But a knee to the head, <laughs> I don't need to tell you this, can potentially be a really, really dangerous situation when it comes to serious injury, right? Yet... The NHL isn't going to look at it in that vein because Adam Lowry ends up being okay. He very easily could have been extremely and seriously injured there 
But because he's able to skate off to the penalty box and, and, and bark at Foligno and the refs, the NHL views the entire incident in a much, much different light. And it drives me crazy because if that same play happens in an alternate universe and Adam Lowry isn't able to get up right away, what are we talking here? Like double-digit suspension? 10, 12, 50? You know what I mean? The NHL has always put way too much emphasis on the result of the incident, whether or not somebody got hurt because of the incident that took place, when in all reality, you should just solely be judging the action that took place. Like if the NHL could, while they're reviewing plays like this, stop the footage right after, in this instance, the knee to the head happens. You don't know what the extent of the injury might be. I think we get a much more punitive and a much more fair NHL Department of Player Safety. But we know that's not the case. So again, like I said, I would expect two to three games. I I hope it's not less than that, but I'm definitely not going to be surprised anymore. It should be a lot more than that because quite clearly, knees to the head have absolutely no place in hockey. They, if they have no place in MMA, it sure as hell should have no place in the NHL. The only good news from the entire incident is that, you know, Adam Lowry able to skate away. Appears to be okay, too. He got a couple of shifts later on in the game. So, I mean, thankfully, he was able to escape some serious injury from a really, really dangerous play. Well, that's going to do it for the episode here. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back at it later this week. The schedule continues to get pretty crazy here for the Winnipeg Jets. And we'll see if they can springboard a win against the Minnesota Wild into a bit of a win streak. Because they're going to need to make it. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten in short order here. And it doesn't get a whole lot easier either for the club. A game Friday night against the Dallas Stars, one of the teams that are directly ahead of them in the wildcard chase, followed by a matchup, a back to back into Nashville, a team the Jets have struggled with so far this season. A bit of a reprieve coming up in a game Monday night against Chicago. But boy, oh boy, if the Jets could find a way. To grab all four points in this back-to-back set, all of a sudden things could get pretty spicy, pretty interesting, pretty quickly here for the Jets in the second half of the playoff push. We'll get to all that action coming up when we get back here on Skates and Plates. Until then, though, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. We'll be back at it talking Jets Preds, Jets Stars. Until then, everybody, enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe out there. Peace.